Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. That being said, are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? We are going to have a riot today. We're going to have a lot of fun. And I want you to get out your sermon notes. We pass these out every week. And it's for your benefit, so you can kind of go back and study more when you get home, so you can look back over your notes throughout the course of a year. And, you know, we get a lot of questions. Hey, Pastor, remember that one time that you said that? Well, sort of. What what did you say? I don't really know. Why don't you look in your notes? Why don't you just go back to your notes? And I'll tell you this. If you don't have a three-ring binder, we have these in the bookstore, and I use mine all the, I mean, all the time. It's what I keep my notes in. Um, and you can pick one up at the bookstore. They're just at cost. They're not very expensive at all. They're just at cost. And then you can store all of your sermon notes. That's why they're hole punched, so you can put them in a three-ring binder that we have for you out there. So um, those are available if you want them. Number one, write this down. The Word of God is awesome. It is alive. It's active. We're talking about habits. We're talking about these small disciplines in our life that actually produce very big changes, habits that we need to have in our life. And this week and next week, we're going to focus on the Word of God. It's a habit, studying the Word of God. What I love to say is ingesting the Word of God. We need to have that habit in our life because it changes us. And today, I'm going to prove to you how it changes us. And I'm going to show you that the Word of God is awesome. It's alive and it's active. So we're going to focus on the awesome part now just for a couple of minutes. And I could go on and on about this all day. But um, I, I've tried to share you in times past just different ways, just different, uh, just the amazing things that you find in the, in the Word of God and how awesome it truly is. Well, uh, this past April, uh, all of the staff, we went to the ARC conference as we normally go to because we're an ARC church. And so we went down there and there was a pastor there by the name of Kevin Myers. And he shared with us just this big picture of the Word of God. And every single one of us in the room, all the pastors in the room, which were thousands of us, were like, oh, 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 wow, oh, my goodness. You know, we're taking notes, and, 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 and we're all thinking the same thought. One of these days, I can't wait to share that with my church. So today is that day, everybody. So, so now this is Kevin Meyer's uh, design. At the same point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things maybe he doesn't share. And this is going to give you a big picture of the Bible and how awesome it really is. So in your sermon notes, I want you to go down to the bottom of the diagram, start on the left-hand side, and write these words. They're up on the screen to help you out. God and righteous man in paradise. So as we study the Bible, if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you're going to find out that it's a story of God and righteous man in paradise, that God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of of Eden, and it was a place of purity, it was a place of innocence, it was a place of beauty, and Adam and Eve were in right standing with God upon creation. So it was God and righteous man in paradise. Now, you know that it didn't take too long for things to change, and that's when the next one is Satan and sin, and sin enter, really not just the garden, not just 
Adam and Eve, but really entered into the world that Satan and sin entered. And you know the story that Satan took on the role or, or the, uh, the, the, I hate to say the person because it's not, but uh, portrayed as a serpent came in and deceived Eve and Adam. She, of course, gave the fruit to Adam. And it was, they, it was, from, it was this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate of the fruit and all of a sudden they became aware of things that they weren't supposed to be aware of, that they were supposed to be innocent and pure. And all of a sudden, they, we, we know that to be the case because all of a sudden they, they, they clothed themselves because they were ashamed to be naked. They were afraid. They hid from God, which is not what God created. And they sinned against God because God said, the one thing you cannot do is you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So when the serpent, when Satan tempted them, that's what they ate from and they sinned because Satan came, tempted them, they sinned, and sin entered into the world. Everybody see that? And now we're all suffering because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And you're like, well, that's not right, and that's not fair. Let me tell you this. If you were there, you would have sinned too. You would have done it too. Like, if you're the only person who cannot point a finger at Adam and Eve is the person that hasn't sinned. Well, you're not, you obviously are not qualified to point your finger at them, are you? Okay, because how many have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Yeah, me too, me too. We're not qualified to get mad at Adam and Eve because if it wasn't them, it would have been us. All right? So now we have the next one. We have the world was judged and destroyed, and that's in Genesis 6 through 9. That the world was judged and destroyed. And you know the story behind this. God looked at mankind and he said, wow, they're evil like all the time. It's the only thing that their mind is set upon are just evil thoughts and evil things and I'm going to destroy the world and I'm going to do it with a flood. And so he called a man named Noah and his family and he had Noah build an ark and they went into the ark and sure enough, God flooded the earth, destroyed mankind because it was an act of judgment and then he repopulated the earth using Noah, who was a righteous man, and his family. They were there to repopulate the earth. So the world was judged and ultimately destroyed in Genesis 6 through 9. So now let's hit the next one. There is a one-world government system found in Genesis 10 and 11. So what happens after the flood, after, after the world is being populated and has been populated, that all of a sudden there is such unity, there's such... Uh, there's such commonness. There's just one world governmental system that pride enters into the heart of man and they build this tower, the Tower of Babel, and it was pride that was driving it. And they're like, hey, we're, we're kind of like God here. Look what, look what we're doing. I mean, we can compete with God. Look how great this, this is. And it was a one world governmental system. And God looked at that and said, that's not good. That's not good. And what did he do? He scattered them, and he confused their languages, right? And all of a sudden, that one world governmental system just dissolved. It just was no more. Now let's look in the next one. Then we have, from Genesis chapter 12, all the way to the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, we have the 12 tribes of Israel, God's holy people. And so if you study the Bible... If you study the Old, the Old Testament, everything between Genesis chapter 12 and the book of Malachi is looking at Israel, which, is, which Israel is made up of the 12 tribes. He, he look, he's looking at Israel and he's saying, hey, come back to me. Come back to me. 
Hey, you're struggling with this. I can fix that. Come back to me. Hey, you're walking away from me over here. Come back to me. I can fix that. And he sends prophets, which is what the Old Testament, the majority of the Old Testament is about, are these prophets giving these messages from God to the people, pretty much saying over and over again in unique ways and unique times and through history, come back to me, God says. Come back to me. Come back to me. I want to be in relationship with you. And it's all about the 12 tribes. It's all about... Israel, it's all about God's holy people. But then something changes. Somebody comes on the scene, and history will, would never be the same again. That it, It's changing the course of not only history, but of lives, and it is the person, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Everybody write that down. At the very top, Jesus comes into the world, and we find this written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. It's the Gospels, the four Gospels, that Jesus comes on the scene and everything changes, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that at the end of that, he was crucified, he, he died for our sins. And it means this, that he was the sacrificial lamb. All of the sins of the world were put upon him because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Like if you sin, you've got to die. Like death is involved. And Jesus said, hey, I don't want these people to die. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to take the sins of the world upon myself and I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the penalty for their sins so that they don't have to. And he died upon the cross, bearing our sins. But three days later, he rose again from the dead, proving that he really was the Son of God, proving that he's the Messiah, but also proving that he was the ultimate sacrifice and that for those of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, we are set free from sin and shame, and we get to live in eternity with our Heavenly Father as we trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what we call the good news. And it really is good news, isn't it, everybody? That Jesus Christ changed everything. And we see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But then when we get to the book of Acts and on, we see something else. That Acts through Jude now is centered upon not the 12 tribes of Israel, but it's now centered upon the 12 disciples and the church. It's all about the 12 disciples and the church, God's holy people. So if you read throughout the course of the New Testament... All of a sudden, it's, hey, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, this is how you should live life. This is how you're meant to think. This is how you're meant to act. This is, this is, this is who you're meant to be as the church, capital C, the church, right? And we find Christian living, Holy Spirit empowerment throughout the entirety of the New Testament. Now, I want, to, I want you to make a note here. Do you see all of a sudden the big picture is starting to come into play that what used to be in the Old Testament, the 12 tribes of Israel, God's holy people, has now become the 12 disciples and the church and God's holy people. So I want you to put an arrow between those two with a point at each end saying, hey, hey, we're about to see a mirror image of what happened in Genesis. We're about to see happen in the book of Revelation. And in fact, follow me right here. Now we have, again, where's our world heading to? A one-world governmental system. One-world governmental system. And we'll read that all the way from Revelation 6 through Revelation 19. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. If you were to say, well, where are we right now? The, the Bible has already been written, but the one-world governmental system hasn't yet taken place. And so we're in between 
the top one on the right, the, the church, the 12, 12 disciples, the church, God's holy people, and the one world governmental system. And if you know of anything of what's happening in the world, you know that everything is looking like the Bible is actually right. That there is going to come into play one of these days a one world governmental system. And things are heading in that direction right now. Right now. We're starting to see that right now. And God knew about it all along. So there was a one world, and you might, again, an arrow crossing the path. There was a one world governmental system, and now there's going to be another one. In the book of Revelation, we read it. And then after that, we get the world judged and destroyed. Again, a mirror of what happened in the Old Testament. Remember, draw the arrow, the world judged and destroyed. And we read that again in Revelation 6 through 19. And what we have here, everybody, is... Uh, Let me say like this, there are a lot of prophetic events that happen in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, actually even in the book of Daniel and other books of the Bible, that talk about what the end times are going to be like, what the world is going to be like. And what it's going to be like is that that, uh, uh, the, the return of Jesus Christ is going to occur. How many know that Jesus Christ is coming back? That's what the Bible says. That in the twinkling of an eye, the, the, the the Lord will return and he'll catch us up to meet him with there. In fact, the Bible says those who are dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who are alive and remain, we will be caught up and meet them in there, and forever we will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, is what the Bible says. Like, you should hear, hey, Jesus is coming back. Woo! You know, that type of deal. Like, that's awesome. We get to be with Jesus, and if you're a Christ follower, you get to look forward to that day. But, but when Jesus comes back, it's going to trigger events. It's going to trigger events that the Bible has prophesied about really 2,000 years ago. Events are going to come about. And part of those events, of course, it's going to be the return of Christ. There's going to be a tribulation. Satan is going to be bound and cast into a bottomless pit. There's going to be the millennial reign of Christ. There's going to be a a battle before that and a battle after that. And and if you say, well, I don't really agree with that timeline. I don't really care. It's okay if we have different deductions of that. Uh, But it's all going to happen. Now, when is it going to happen? I I don't know. And to tell you the truth, you don't know either. But we do know that it's going to happen. How many know what I'm talking about? It's going to It's going to happen. And time will tell the sequence of those events. Now, some of them that we're very sure about, some of them we're not so sure about. But one thing we are sure about, that one time in the past, in the Old Testament, God destroyed the earth by flood. But in the future, he's going to destroy the earth because of his judgment. He's going to destroy it with fire. The first time it was destroyed by flood. The second time it'll be destroyed by, by fire. But then after that, Satan and sin... They exit. Remember, in Genesis, Satan and sin entered, but in Revelation, Satan and sin, they exit because Satan is going to be cast, the Bible says, into the lake of fire, and he will be there for all of eternity. He's going to get, let me say it this way, he is going to get his reward for rebelling against God. He will be tortured, tormented for all of eternity when Satan and sin Exit, and it is a mirror image of the Old Testament. Do you see that? And of course, the last one is God and not righteous man, but God and redeemed man in paradise. Revelation 21 through 22. 
that all of a sudden every single person who placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we get to spend eternity with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And by the way, we get to spend eternity with each other because we have been redeemed. The Bible says we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that those who live in Jesus Christ, who are found in Jesus Christ, we have this hope It is an anchor for our soul that we get to be in eternity with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus, forever and ever and ever. And it's going to be a great time, everybody. It's going to be a great time. And do you see how awesome the Bible is? Do you see how awesome the Bible is? Let me say it this way. Man could not have laid this out on his own. This is a God thing. The Bible, the Word of God is awesome. It is alive, and it's active. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Now, are you having fun? I told you you're going to have a riot today. I mean, I think still yet the best is yet to come because I've got more to teach you. You can tell I've been holding on to this for a while, and I've just been chomping at the bit to get to you. So excited. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13 says it this way. Listen to this. The Word... For the word of God is alive and is active. Not my sermon points. Those are the sermon points found in the Bible. The word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account for the word of God is alive and active and it is sharp and it penetrates us. And it, that, let me say it this way, everybody, that the word of God actually exposes what is in our hearts, what's in our motives, what's in our minds. The word of God exposes it. The word of God exposes it. Why? Let, let me ask you this. When, when you have read your favorite book, when you've read Tolkien or, or when you've read more modern-day authors, did, did those things expose, did you walk away from that saying, wow, I am a sinner in need of a Savior? No, no. Those were just fantasy. Those were just, you know, whether fiction or nonfiction, they were interesting. They might have been fun, but were they life-changing? Yet when we get into the Word of God, it's not just interesting and it's not just fun. It's actually life-changing. It reveals who we are. And as we read it, something says, wow, I need, I need this in my life. I need to embrace this in my life. I need this to change in my life. It, like, like, for instance, if, if you were alone on a deserted island and you the only thing that you had was the Bible and so you read it every day, every day, every day. It would be a life-changing book all by itself because it would reveal to you without anybody else around, without anybody whispering in your ear, it would reveal to you who you really were and what you really struggle with. And all of a sudden you'd say to yourself, wow, according to this book, I, 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 I am a sinner. I, I am somebody who needs a savior. See, it's life-changing. It exposes who you are, and it does that because it is alive. It's active. And that's why I think there's a lot of people in this room that you're kind of scared to read the Bible. Because you know it's going to expose some things in your life. 
you don't want exposed. Can I tell you something? That was me. Has it ever been you? Don't raise your hand. I'll be transparent, but you don't have to yet. But have you ever been the one like knowingly sinning before God and like, oh, I'm not going to read my Bible today. Not worthy of the word of God today. I know the word of God is going to make me feel guilty and I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to have a bad day, so I don't want to read the Bible. Can I tell you, you'll never know what great days are until you start ingesting the word of God and allowing it to change your life. Woo, that's good. That's, that's tweet that. All right, here we go. So let me show you how, again, how alive and active and awesome the Word of God is. Write this down, number two, that God's Word actually activates your faith. The God's Word activates your faith. It is active. The Word of God is awesome, alive, and active, and it activates your faith. Romans 10, 17 says it this way. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do we get faith? We, we, we get faith because we have heard the word of God, that we have understood the word of God, that we've taken the word of God, we've embraced it, and, it, and, and, it, and the word of God is a blessing to us because it increases our faith. You could say it activates our faith. So Paul is writing, and he says in another place, he says, listen, there's people out there that I know that they would believe in Jesus if, if somebody would just go preach to them the word of God. And if they heard the word of God, it would activate their faith, and they would become Christians. But how can they become Christians if somebody doesn't go there and preach the word of God? Because they won't have an active faith unless they know and hear the word of God. That's why we plant so many churches here at New Song. Because people need to hear the word of God. If they don't hear the word of God, their faith will not be activated. They won't respond to the word of God. They, they can't, let me say it like this. The, the word of God determines whether they go to heaven or not. Because the word of God is how they hear about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. He's the living word of God. He is, the, he is man's only hope. So how do they have hope? How do they have salvation if they don't hear the message of Jesus, right? And that's why missions is so important, and that's why we give to missions so much. That's why in just a couple of weeks, we're taking a team of 11 people to Haiti and planting another church in Haiti, and we're going to be there for their very first Sunday, and we're just praying that dozens and dozens of people accept Jesus as Savior, and I can't wait to come back and give you the report of what happens when we plant this church. Isn't that going to be cool to everybody? And I get to be there for that. Um, I love church planting. I hate airplanes. And I hate airports. But I love planting churches. And I, hate, I, hate, I hate the airport in Port-au-Prince. It's awful. They crowd you in this one room. And they have bathrooms, and they don't care if you're a guy or a girl when you go in those bathrooms. Guys, you're doing your business, and girls are walking everywhere behind you. They just don't care. They don't care. And you're sitting in these seats and crowded in there, and they, there's no air conditioning back there. I mean, they say that there is, but there's not. And literally, I, this, is, this, is to, this is the truth. When I go to the airport at Port-au-Prince, and I'm waiting for the flight to come back to Miami, I take an extra shirt with me. Because as I'm sitting in the airport for two hours, I am sweating like a pig. 
And, I, and right before we board the plane, I go to the bathroom and I change my shirt because I don't want to sit in a sweaty shirt. And yet I do it because I love church planting. I love seeing people come to Jesus when they hear the word of the Lord and respond. I'm telling you, everybody, it not only changes their life, but it changes our lives when we get to see it happen. And that's why we exist in this community, too, to see people's lives changed as they hear and respond to the message of Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen to that. So God's word activates faith. Now, this is so cool because watch this number three, write it down. But faith activates God's word. You're like, well, which one is it? Yes, that God's word activates our faith, but our faith activates God's word. Let let me prove it to you in scripture. Hebrews chapter four, verse two. For we also have have had the good news proclaimed to us. You could say the word of God proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message or the word they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Meaning they, they, didn't, they weren't a people of faith, therefore the word was no value to them. The word was no value to them because they were not people of faith. Faith activates The word of God. Faith activates the word of God. So God's word activates your faith, but your faith activates his word. You might say, okay, well, Justin, you're losing me a little bit here. Um, You know, I'm going to put it together for you right now, and and things are going to come alive in you, and it's all going to make sense in a second. So just hang with me here and write this down. Number four, God's word and my faith activate God's power. God's word and my faith activate God's power. And I'm going to prove that to you in Scripture. Now, I just want you to listen up. In fact, everybody, your, your, your sermon notes are done at this point, right? They're all filled out. So if you want to just put those away and just listen, all well, not all of them, but several of the verses I'm going to use are going to be up on the screen. So just listen to this. I mean, unless you want to take notes, you can keep them out if you just want to write some things down. But God's word and my faith activate God's Power. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says it this way. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. And now, now stop right here, and everybody, you can look up here for a moment, because... I know what's happening in the hearts and minds of lots of people in this room. In fact, it's happened to me on many occasions when I read verses like this, that I say, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. In fact, there's somebody in this room, there might even be multiple people in this room who says, I just don't agree with that, with that verse. And here's what the verse says. If we ask anything according to his will, if we make these requests, that God hears us and we know that we have what we asked of him. So he answers us. He hears us and he answers us. He gives us what we're asking for. And a lot of people in this room like, hey, pastor, I've asked God for a lot of things that I didn't get. I've asked God for a lot of things and it never came to pass. In fact, there were some prayers that I asked that I'm just as confused today as I was back then as to why they didn't happen, that God didn't answer me. You ready for the explanation? 
that, that God's word and my faith activates God's power, that it, it activates God's power. And when we pray, when we pray, we have to pray according to his will. Let me say it this way, everybody, for this to make sense. The word of God is the will of God. So if we pray something according to his will, we are also praying things according to his word because the word of God is the will of God. Let me ask it this way. How do you know the will of God if you don't know the word of God? How do you know the will of God if you don't know the word of God? Because anything that you ask for that is outside of his word is also outside of his will. Because his word is his will. And we know his will because we know his word. Now, now if you're struggling with that, well, then listen. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. You accepted the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Okay, the word of God is awesome. It's alive and it's active. It is at work in you who believe. It's at work in those who have faith. The word of God is at work in us. It is at work in us. So the word of God, watch this everybody. The word of God is the will of God and the will of God is the word of God. So the word of God works the will of God in us. The word of God works the will of God in us. And when his will is worked in us, listen, when his will is worked in us through his word, then our requests are, are, are the things that we're asking God for reflect his word because his word is working his will in us. And so our requests reflect his will and his word and therefore activates his power. Let, let me say it this way, everybody. When we ask things according to his will, he hears us and he answers us because it is God working his will in us. And when we pray according to his will, he hears us and he answers us because it's what he wants to do. And we know that to be true. And if God is working his will in you through his word, then anything outside of his will will stand out to you and say, well, that's not, that's not the will of God. I know the will of God. I'm going to pray for that. But how many times have you prayed and they were just selfish prayers? How many times have you prayed and it was not a reflection of God's word working his will in you? You were just praying. Oh, God, help me get this. Oh, God, I want that. Oh, God, I'm so unhappy because of so-and-so. Oh, God, blah, 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 blah. And you're not thinking about the will of God. You're just thinking about your will. How often do you pray according to your will in comparison to the will of God? Let, let me say it this way, that your selfish nature is working your will in you. But I don't want my selfish nature to work my will in me. I want God to work his will in me. His will is his word. So when I see things 
that are not found in his word, that are not his will, then I can speak to those things. I can pray about those things. And God hears and he answers. And my prayers are a reflection of God's word working his will in me. So, how are you praying? Your will? God's will. Well, pastor, I just don't understand some things. I I thought I was praying according to the will of God. I thought that, can I tell you something? I don't understand some things too. There are some things that I don't understand. My, My dad being one of them. You know, my dad... Several months ago now, we had David and Amy Dingman. They were missionaries to India and good friends of ours. And they were speaking just for a few moments on a Sunday morning. And David made this statement. He said, you know, he said, I, I just hear the Lord saying, finish your yes. And I tell you, that really hit my dad. It really ministered to my dad. Because my, my dad was, he, he was having some major health problems. He's like, do I fight? Do I not fight? I mean, what do I do about this? And, and, and he, he walked away from that day saying, hey, there's a yes I have to finish. I have to finish my yes. I told God yes a long time ago. I'm going to finish my yes. I'm going to be faithful to God. I think there's some things that I need to do for God. And then Larry Stock still comes a few months later, and Larry's here. And after service, I, I, I go to, I go to it, this is so interesting. I, I take Larry to my dad. I said, Larry, I want to introduce you to, to my dad. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't, hey, dad, I want to introduce you to Larry Stock still. It was, Larry, I want to introduce you to my dad. This guy's my hero. Like, you're good, Larry, but this guy's great. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of just proud. And, and he looked with his just gentle smile, Larry did on my dad. He said, Alan, it is a pleasure to meet you. He said, he said you know what? I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. Let's see what. And, and Larry put his arm around my dad, and he put his hand on his chest. And, and he spoke a very prophetic word. Again, though, that, don't get hung up on that. It's just the heart of God. Prophecy is just the heart of God. He just spoke the heart of God over my dad and told my dad that there were still some things for him yet to finish, that he was to keep fighting. And Larry had no idea what my dad was going through, nothing. And yet, you know the story. Just a few weeks ago, my, my dad passed away. I don't understand. I don't. Maybe my dad accomplished those things in that amount of time through faith and through prayer, I'll never know until I get to heaven. But one thing I do know, that God has never let me down, that he's fully trustworthy, he's fully faithful. And this thing I know as well, that God is sovereign and I am not. That God knows all, he sees all, he knows the big picture, he he knows everything, he's an all-knowing God. And I trust, that this is not very good grammar, but I trust his all-knowingness, that I'm just going to have to commit that to God. That I'm going to have to say, hey God, I might not understand it, but one thing I know, I trust you. You've been faithful to my dad. You've been faithful to me. You've been faithful to my children. You are a good and faithful, loving Heavenly Father, and I refuse not to trust you, God. And so I do. And I allow God to work in me. 
And I allow God's word to change me, to work his will in me. And that doesn't mean I understand everything. It does increase my faith, though. It does help me believe what the Lord wants me to believe. So think about this, everybody, that the word of God works the will of God in you. But if you don't know the word of God, how are you going to know the will of God? If you don't ingest the word of God, how are you going to know the will of God? How do you know that? If you don't dive into God's word and find out about his character and his nature and what things are concerning to him, how do you know the will of God? Because the word of God is the will of God and the will of God is the word of God. So when his will is worked in us, then our request reflects it. It reflects the will of God and then it activates his power. When you pray according to my will and you ask for it to be done, he says, it will be done. Why? Because it activates his power. What does? His word and my faith, your faith. Let, let, me, let me say it like this. Matt, are you guys having a fun time? I'm, I'm just having a riot up here. I don't, I don't care if you are or not. I, 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 actually, I do. But um, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, watch this. This is how it starts. Have faith in God. Jesus answered. This is Jesus talking. He says, have faith in God. Now, hold that thought right there. Because we know in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How many know that God is the Word? Jesus is, in fact, the Bible calls him the living Word. Everybody see what I'm saying right now? So, so Jesus says again in Mark chapter 11, 22, have faith in God. You could also say then, have faith in his word. Could you not? Come on, everybody. You can, right? So have faith in God, which is also saying have faith in God's word, which is also saying, by the way, because the word of God is the will of God, have faith in God's will. Now you say, well, okay, I get that, but he keeps going now. Jesus keeps going. Verse 23, he says, truly I tell you, this is Jesus, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now he's he, so so a lot of people go to that verse right there and say, "Hey, if you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, then it will be done." Can I tell you that that's not how that that's not the context of that verse? The context of that verse is Jesus saying, "Hey, have faith in God." Have faith in his word. Have faith in his will. And when God's word works his will in you, and you know the will of God, and you know the word of God, and you know God's heart, then all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing things that are not supposed to be. What, what he's saying is, hey, 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 have faith in God. You see that mountain? It's not supposed to be there. That's not the will of God. So say to that mountain, because you know it's not the will of God. You say to that mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. Oh, I wish I could preach this to you. 
Let me say this. What is in your life that is not the will of God? What is in your life that God, that you know full well is not supposed to be there? Did you know that God's word works his will in us? And when his will is worked in us, all of a sudden we start seeing things that are not supposed to be. And Jesus gave us authority to pray, to make some declarations about those things, and saying, if you pray that way, it will be done. When you pray according to the will and the word of God, and when your faith rises up, and you combine your faith with his word, it activates God's power. And you're going to see the miraculous. This Saturday, this coming Saturday, there's so many of you that are going to experience the miraculous because you're going to hear the word of the Lord. We're going to know the will of God. We're going to make some declarations. We're going to make some requests. And the miraculous is going to take place. See, see, this, this is why I... Can I tell you something really cool? Uh, this very morning... You know, last Sunday, we prayed for Barbara Flazenzier, who had brain surgery. She had a tumor removed. No small surgery. And she not only came home a couple days later, but she was in the first service this morning. Isn't that cool? Now, let, let me ask you this. See, there's a lot of people that you know somebody is, is in poor health. You know that they need a healing, and so you just think, oh, well, we, we serve a compassionate God, so I'm just going to say, God, could you be compassionate now? And I'm just going to hope for the best. Can I tell you something? The, the, the difference between you and me is I'm not just calling upon the, the compassion of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. I know the will of God. So I've studied his word enough, and the word of God works his will in me, and I get to see, then I, then I start to understand what's of God and what's not of God. And I know that sickness is not of God. That everything that's good and perfect comes from the, the, the Father of lights. But, but everything that, that causes like, uh, 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 sin and death and destruction, those things come from the devil, right? That Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and life to the full. But Satan came to steal and to kill and destroy. So anything that kills and steals and destroys, I know that that's not the will of God. How many know Satan is not the will of God? He's not the will of God. So, 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 so anything that's of the devil, I know that that's not the will of God, and I can pray accordingly because God's word has worked his will in me, and I can now see what's the will of God and what's not the will of God, and it goes beyond, oh God, have compassion on my friend, to God, what she's experiencing right now is not your will. I know it's not your will, and I, I declare life and health and healing upon her in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, come on, everybody, you catching it now? See, when you know his word, you'll know his will, and you'll know how to pray. And all of a sudden, things will stand out to you that you'll say, that's not God's will. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That mountain is suppo isn't supposed to be there. Mountain, you get in the sea. That's not where you're supposed to be. That is not the will of God. And God says, ha, 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 now I can do something. See, 
See, when Satan came into this world, remember Satan and sin entered the world, he took the keys of this world from Adam and Eve, and he's kind of flaunt, he's kind of uh, flaunting it over us. He's kind of saying, oh, look who's in charge of this world. He might be in charge of this world for now, but he won't be in charge of this world forever. He's going to get his, everybody. But, but, but now that Satan has the keys, he holds the keys. Can, can I tell you something, everybody? God says, hey, listen, in this moment, you, gotta, you just got to invite me in. I'll come and I'll do the miraculous, but you got to call upon me. You've got to call upon me. And that's why the Bible says over and over again that we seek, we keep seeking, we knock, we keep knocking, we ask, we keep asking. We're just inviting, the, we're just inviting, inviting God into our situation in this life because we know what the will of God is and what it isn't. Sickness is not the will of God. Famine is not the will of God. Lost people are not the will of God. How many know we got some praying to do? But our prayers should come as a result of studying the Word of God and allowing His Word to work His will in us. And when we pray, it'll be a reflection of His will. Let's stand up together. It's good stuff, everybody. Now, I think there's a lot of people here in this room that all of a sudden it clicks with you and you're like, oh, boy, I get it now. I, I, was, just, I was just calling upon God because of this, but I really didn't know that. Or, wow, I really need the word of God in my life so I can, so I can see the things of God. Can I just say it like that? That you'll start seeing the things of God more when you have, the, when you have more of his word in you. But if you don't have his word in you, you're limiting what you're seeing from him because your faith isn't increasing and he's not working his will in you because you don't know his word you don't know who he is so first of all I, I want to I want to ask you to make a commitment to study his word I was telling next steps today you know how hard it is to take 52 Sundays a year and preach for about 35 minutes like that's not much if you think about it is it that's not much, and that's just if you're here every week. What if you decide to sleep in? Well, don't do that. Because you're missing out on some opportunities of growth. But how many know you need, to, you need to know more of the Word of God than I can give you on a Sunday morning? You've got to go home and feed yourself. If, if the only time you hear and ingest the Word of God is a Sunday morning, you're going to be a weakling of a Christian. You're not going to walk in the power that God has called you to walk in. So you need to dive into the Word of God every single day. Just dive into it every single day and allow it to change your life and your heart. And I think we need to make a commitment to the Word of God today. And I'm going to ask everybody in this room, why don't you just raise your hand towards heaven and we're going to bless the Lord for His Word and we're going to ask Him to do some things in our life. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for Your Word. We want to say thank you for the fact that it changes us. Thank you, Father, that your word is working your will in us. And when we know your will, we'll also know how to live out this life. We'll know what thoughts to think. We'll know what words to say. We'll know what prayers to pray when your word is worked in us, when your will is worked in us. It changes us. So, Father, we thank you that your word is awesome. We thank you that your word is alive. We thank you that your word is active, that you're using it to change us. You're using it to change 
change our lives. So Father, today we make a commitment not only to study your word, not only to feed ourselves, but we make a commitment to be changed by your word. Father, we we look forward to the days that we study your word and it challenges us and it strengthens us and it encourages us. And now we choose to take your word by faith. We're going to take it and lay hold of it. We're going to discover your promises and we're going to apply them to our life. Father, as your word becomes alive in us, as you work your word in us, Father, I pray that our eyes would be open to see the things that are not supposed to be. And, And Lord, that you would help us to see the things that are supposed to be, that you would help us to know how to pray. You would help us to know what words to say, because we know when we combine our faith with your word, and we make declarations, and we pray prayers that, Father, you answer us. That's what your word says. So, Father, help us to know your word. Help us to know your will. Reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit, you say, it's said in the word of God that you guide us into all truth. And I pray, Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth so that we could live for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, so that we could expand his kingdom, so that our prayers will be answered and they will be effective, that they will change the the, uh, the lives of many just by a prayer of faith, just by seeing something that's not supposed to be and praying a prayer That's a faith-filled prayer according to your will and according to your word. We know that the miraculous will take place and the miraculous needs to take place, Father. We know it and we want to live lives of power in you. We want to be powerful in you. We don't care about fame and fortune in this world. We want to be people who are totally and completely controlled by your strength and by your spirit that we would act and live and move by faith. Father, we need your word in us. So reveal yourself to us, I pray. Lord, point out the things that we should be praying for and point out the things that we should be praying against and help us to pray and to live according to your word. We make a fresh commitment today. Father, change us, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree with that, come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.